0: Hi, I'm Erwin McManus, and I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer, and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app, and get to the channel, and we'll see you there. So I want to take a minute and just welcome everyone who listens to us and joins us on the live stream uh, across the country and other parts of the world, and for everyone who joins us through the podcast, it's amazing how how... So many people across the world are connected to our community. And even though they're in Berlin or they're in Tokyo or they're in Sydney or um, they're in Paris, they feel that this is their community. And what we do together makes that possible for people all over the world. And and even when I was in Dallas this morning, I've had so many people come up to me and they go, we've been a part of Mosaic for years. And they don't even say, we listened to the podcast or we listened to Mosaic. They go, we've been a part of Mosaic for years. And that's a beautiful thing, that here on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard, we could do something together that could bring hope and meaning across the world. We've been looking together at the material in the last arrow. And we've been going chapter by chapter. But I want us to remember that the overarching theme of the book And it's subtitle Save Nothing for the Next Life. It is really rooted in an observation I've made over almost 60 years of life that people with incredible talent and potential and intelligence and capacity rarely live up to everything that's inside of them. That most of us end up living our lives with an overwhelming sense of regret and loss. And some of you, you're here and you're young. You're in your 20s and you already feel as if you've wasted more of life than you can bear. Some of you sense that there's a hollowing emptiness in your soul. And and even though you're, you're frantically doing stuff, you're hard at work, you're ambitious, you're determined, and you're scrambling... Something inside of you tells you that you're somehow missing the reason for your existence. That whatever your intention is seems to elude you. And I I think some of it's a misunderstanding of how life happens. Not just for for people who believe, but even for those who do not believe in God. But, But for many of us who have faith... I think we have almost a superstitious understanding of how the future happens. And and that's why we we pause and take an entire chapter to talk about a very significant aspect of living the life you're created to live. That you need to choose the future. Have you ever thought about how many choices we have to make all the time? Have you ever just been overwhelmed by all the choices in front of you? I mean, there are moments I, I, I start overthinking life. I remember once I started getting really nervous about breathing. And I thought, well, I mean, how does this happen? Well, what about if, if, if I get confused? What about if I forget the order of inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale? I, I remember thinking to myself, does your stomach go out during the inhale or out during the exhale? And I started getting nervous and started hyperventilating. And, and I'm really grateful that, that breathing is, is an automatic, unconscious choice. But it's a choice. Your body has to choose to breathe. Do you realize that if your body just stopped choosing, you would die, you would suffocate? I mean, imagine if, if God designed us so that breathing was a choice we had to make every second of our life. Hi. How you doing? I mean, could you ever apply for a job? Would we ever have movies? We, we, you couldn't because it'd be a 10-hour movie with just about five lines. It's good to be here. And, what other choices could you make? You couldn't make choices for dating. You couldn't make choices for, 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 for career. Because all you'd be doing every second of your life. Inhale. Exhale. We wouldn't have the Olympics. I mean, how could you do that? These are the things I think about. There are choices that, that are, are part of our existence. That are, are, are so essential to our survival. And breathing, of course, is one of them. But another the one is like eating. I, I, I've had moments where I, th- I remember. I've had days I thought, God, why? Why did you like design this where you have to eat all the time? I mean, I've had days I thought... Tomorrow is another day where I have to eat again. I, you ever just get tired of eating? No? That's the American dilemma. And... Uh, <laughs> but, but I do. And, and when Aaron and Mariah were young... And their mom would go out of town. They would be terrified. And my kids would come and say, Daddy, we we need an adult. And I I knew what they meant. And probably more than once, they would come up up to me and say, Daddy? I said, yes. And they go, Are you going to feed us today? I go, Yeah, 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 soon. And Mariah would say, But it's almost bedtime. And... Because I would forget. I would forget because it, 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 eating gets in the way of all the other choices in life. And, 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 and then it's not just eating. It, it, it's having to choose what to eat. I mean, Half the time, I don't want to eat just because I don't want to choose what to eat. And then I thought with Kim, it's impossible to choose because she just says, oh, I, I, I'm easy, honey. I'll eat whatever you want. But that's not true <laughs> because she doesn't like the things I want. And, and whenever I would list things, she'd go, no, I'm not that. Like, well, then just tell me what you want. She goes, no, no, it's whatever you want. You just pick a place. And I, I'd pick another place. She goes, yeah, not that. And, and after about three or four of those, I just said, look, could you, could you just tell me what I want? And that way I could get it right. And, and it just makes eating too complex. It's just too difficult of a choice. And another one of those is sleeping. I i have been so frustrated. I, I mean, I... I I, I don't know if God's paying attention, but one of the things I have talked to him about is why waste half of our life unconscious? I, I, I hate <laughs> sleeping. I just hate the choice that I have to go to sleep. I, 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 in college, I went about six days without sleeping. I was trying to see how long I could go without sleeping. I thought, it's an incredible waste of time. If I could figure out how to exist without sleeping, I could live two lives at the same time. And, <laughs> but, you know, they tell you, you have to sleep and everything, and... And you have to eat and, you know, of course, you have to breathe. And, and you know, I, I try to exercise over at GoTribe with my friends, Chris and Cricket. And every time I get over there, Cricket looks at me and she whispers, did you eat today? I'm like, you're so judgy. <laughs> but really what she's asked me is, am I making good choices? Which is at the core, the fundamental human act. See, if I if I asked you what's the most spiritual thing a human being can ever engage in, you, you might say, well, meditation, or prayer, or reading the scriptures, or maybe serving humanity, maybe it's going to church. I, I don't know what you would answer, what you would see as spiritual, but all those spiritual acts are actually connected to one singular act to choose. See, before you pray, you have to choose to pray. Before you meditate, you have to choose to meditate. Before you read the scripture, you have to choose to read the scripture. Before you're involved in a community, you have to choose to be involved in that community. Before you love, you have to choose to love. To choose is the most spiritual activity that you will ever engage in. And whether you even understand yourself to be a spiritual being... You need to understand the dynamic of choosing because your entire life will be created by your choices. Which then begins to make sense to me why in the scriptures there are always these these epic intersections that God drives people to where they have to make a choice. (laughs) The universe is breathing deeply. And I'm afraid. (laughs) So in Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. You understand this moment, right? The people of Israel had been enslaved by the Egyptians. They cried out to God, God, deliver us. God invades Moses' life, interrupts his life, sends him to set the people of Israel free. He confronts Pharaoh. God sends 10 plagues. The people of Israel get released out of Egypt with all the treasures of Egypt. Then Pharaoh changes his mind and goes after them to kill him. So here's where we are. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, will ne- you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So here they are in, in this intersection moment, this critical moment, and they have choices that they have to make. And the choices they make will affect their future. And what I want to talk to you about is this unique dynamic that humans have with the future. Because I think a lot of us have almost a magical view of the future. That future sort of happens. But I want you to realize that that the future doesn't just happen. The humans make the future happen. I mean, we, we understand this with other species... Silkworms just create silk. I don't think they wake up in the morning thinking about whether they should create silk or polyester. I think silkworms just create silk because that's how they're designed. They're created by God to create silk. And honeybees, they create honey. They never make peanut butter. They're just really singular in their focus that's what bees do they create honey and and, and we can see the silkworm creating silk and we can see the honeybee creating honey but we don't realize what humans create see humans create futures and so if you're not choosing the future you're entering into the wrong one have you ever noticed that when you just let the future happen you end up with the future you never wanted see if you're here and you hate the life you have right now if you're here and you're wondering how did this happen to me It's because the future happens by the choices you make, and if you don't make the choices consciously, you end up defaulting to the worst choices possible. It's a strange thing, wouldn't it be better if by accident we made all the right choices? (laughs) I know it'd be epic! Going, I don't even have to think, it's like breathing! Just (laughs) surfing life, choosing. I don't have to think about choosing. Every time I choose, the right thing happens. It's really odd. If you don't choose to choose, you will create a life you never wanted. And you won't know how to work your way out of it because your choices will become a pattern in your life. And you won't be able to see that the choices brought you there and which choices can get you out. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and They saw the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. This is kind of like whiny crying. That's prayer. A lot of prayer is just whining to God because no one else will listen to you. And now it's amazing that when they saw Pharaoh, they were terrified. Now, why would that be the automatic response? Just because they saw the most evil emperor that they had ever known chasing them down with all the force of their armies to kill them. Why would they be terrified? Because they saw what was there and they forgot who God was. Because they had just experienced God send 10 plagues on Egypt. You ever thought to yourself, the reason I struggle with faith is because I've never seen a miracle. You ever ever thought like, if God just could just show up once, like big time, like epic, undeniable, right? If God just could do something like the parting of the Red Sea, I would never doubt again. It's just not true. Because you'd forget by the next day. Because yesterday's faith never seems to carry us through the tomorrow's crises. It says they were terrified. Even though they had experienced the deliverance of God, God set them free from Egypt, and now they don't have enough confidence to believe that God can finish the job. This is why a lot of us panic. Because we begin by trusting God or following him, and then when life gets turbulent and gets challenging, gets difficult, we think God isn't coming through. That he didn't know that this was coming. And so we become terrified, and we cry out to God, complaining and then they said to Moses, by the way, this next line is really funny. You may not know this because you're, you're, you're a Gentile, but, but the Bible is full of humor. The Old Testament is full of like Jewish humor. I, you know, here in L.A., I mean, really, the funniest comedians I know are Jewish. I mean, there are a few really funny, depressed Irishmen, but, but overall, the best comedians I know are Jewish. And it's because they have this great, like, Jaded sarcasm. And it's all over the scriptures. It says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? See, that's funny. I mean, it doesn't sound funny, but you have to kind of hear it right. So we we couldn't just die there. God had to move us over here so we could die over here. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? I love this. I love this question. What have you done to us? And then I love the next line. You ever remembered something the way it did not happen? <laughs> Memory's funny, isn't it? Verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt? Here's Moses. They're coming at him. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Moses, was like, no, you didn't say that. You didn't. That really never came up. That was not an option that anyone even like advocated. I didn't know that you wanted to stay. Because I'm out being a shepherd, living my life with my sweet wife, taking care of sheep, no problems, no stress, no hassle. I get a burning bush because you were crying out to God. I do not volunteer for this job. He didn't really give me an option. Whoa, I am that I am. And then he sends me down to you. i got to go face Pharaoh. Because you were crying out to God. Set us free. Set us free. And now they're saying, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? What were you thinking setting us free? We're a bunch of slaves. We don't know how to be free. We don't know what we were asking for. We don't know what we were thinking. Let us go back. <laughs> you, you, ever, you ever prayed a big prayer? Even if you didn't believe in God, you ever prayed like a big prayer? You know, like, God, do something great in my life. <laughs> Anybody? You ever, like, you ever prayed that prayer? God, I think I'm, like, I think I'm created for great things. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that twinge of like spiritual narcissism. I know I'm awesome, God. You know, because you created me this way. And, and so I'm not really being arrogant because I'm just giving you all the glory for the awesomeness of me. And so God, I just like, you know, but could you do something awesome? Could you do something incredible in my life? If you pray to God, God do something great in my life. Do you end up going what in the world is going on? God, my, my whole world has turned upside down. I'm in the middle of crisis. What were you thinking? What are you doing? See, if you want God to do something great in your life, he has to send you through great hardships, great trials, great crisis. So don't ask God to make you great. And keep your challenges small. Because great men and women look for great challenges. I think we pray and we want God's outcome but not his process. We pray and ask God to do something with our lives to set us free. And then we get angry when he takes us out of slavery and moves us into the uncertainty of freedom. See, what they didn't remember, what they didn't realize was that freedom brings responsibility. And so they suddenly felt like the safety of slavery was more attractive than the uncertainty of freedom. I wonder if we were ever like that. You ever wonder why you keep dating that guy? I don't think I need to say anything else. <laughs> Why you keep, or you keep that job that you're miserable in? Some of you here, you hate the relationships you're in, but you're, you're so afraid to be alone that you'd rather keep the wrong relationships and go into a desert where you let go of everything so that God can bring to you the new. Some of you, you're so afraid to let go of your job and your security and your safety to step into the future that God is birthed in your soul with a dream and a longing and a passion. And so you, you'd rather stay in the security and safety of a job you dread than a career that will fulfill you. Some of you hate your life. You hate your life. And, 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 then, and then the moment someone says to you, you, you know that, that there is a way you can have a new life. Well, what's that? Well, you have to surrender your life to Jesus. Because, you see, when God stepped into human history and died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, he actually made a way for you to step out of the life you hate into the life that you can only imagine. And... But we don't do it. We're like, I don't know. I don't know because, like, I hate this life, but it's... But... But this is the life I know. Like this is like, this is the life I got. So I, I don't know if I want to give this miserable existence to God. Because who knows what's on the other side? He could make it worse. But here's the thing: even if God gave you a new life with the same you, you would ruin that new life too. Because the only way you can actually live a new life is to become a new you. And so I wonder if you're like, didn't we tell you God just leave me alone? No. Every time you've cried out in the depth of your soul, God, do something in me. Every time your soul feels that overwhelming emptiness and, and, and no matter how hard you try, you can't find that love, that... that Fills that deepest need. No matter what you do, hope always seems to evaporate and you're overwhelmed with despair and depression and anxiety. And every time you think you're going to make progress, you find yourself falling back. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I think code word desert is future. See, I think a lot of us are afraid of the future because the future is different than the past. And so we'd rather be trapped in the past than to step into the future. I, I want to break an illusion that we have because I, I think we need to realize that as human beings, perceptions are actually embraced as realities. You know that, right? See, we, we have a perception That we are all moving into the future. But I I want you to know something. Just because you're stepping into tomorrow does not mean you're stepping into the future. See, tomorrow is coming no matter what you do. But the future comes based on what you do. See, And some of you, you are burning up tomorrows. Because you haven't stepped into your future. You're trapped in the past. You're cycling the same mistakes and the same choices and the same pain and the same fears over and over and over again. So then Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. It's amazing how many times it has to be said in the Bible. You know why? Because the future is scary. And I, I think most of us have a default mode. We would accept the comfort and safety of a past that holds us captive than the mystery and uncertainty of a future that our souls long for. So Moses says, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. God is saying, I'm gonna put your past in the past. But just like the Egyptian army chasing down the Israelites, I'm telling you, your past is trying to hunt you down. You ever notice that? You thought you let it go. You forgave, and now the bitterness is back. You thought you let it go. You overcame that addiction, and now it's coming and haunting you again. You thought you let it go. You thought you left it in the past. But all that hurt, all those wounds, all that fear, all that doubt, it just keeps coming back. You ever felt like I left it in the past, but the past keeps catching up with you? It's because the past is running after you and if you allow yourself to be paralyzed in the present not moving into the future the past will grab you and suck you back. And, and what's crazy is that it's always the worst part of our paths that pursue us the most. It says the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. That's probably the most misinterpreted statement from God in the Bible, or at least in the top 10. You only need to be still. You ever heard that? Psalm 4610, I think it says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, I'm not sure why, but especially when I was in my 20s, Everyone who knew me would say, Erwin, just be still. Just be still and know that he is God. And you know what I found? Everyone who told me to be still was really still. Like almost like dead. (laughs) Erwin, just be still and know that he's God. And, And that verse would be used to stop me from being too proactive. Too ambitious. Too determined. Too reckless. Oh, I'm reckless. They thought I would outgrow it. Mm -mm. Not going to happen. And and in fact, we do this assessment called the Berkman, and there's an activity score. And it's from a scale of 1 to 99. And I think me and Mariah are like 96 on that activity score. So we're like high activity. And, And everyone would say to me, Erwin, just be still. Just be still. And, you know, be still and know that he is God. And everyone would use it to act as if I was trying to move into the future too fast. But you know what's interesting? That's not why God's saying that. See, they're not trying to move too fast into the future. They're not running into the Red Sea going, Go ahead, God, do your thing! God tells them to be still, not because they're trying to move forward, but because they're trying to go backwards. God never tells someone to be still because they have too much faith, too much courage, too much ambition, too much activity, too much proactivity. I know you're awesome, but you're just not too fast for God. God's like, oh, I can't keep up with you. Ah, so much faith. How do you get so much done in a day? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So here's the rule. If you're trying to retreat, be still. If you're ready to give up, be still. If you're considering returning to your slavery, be still. Let God fight for you because God only moves forward into the future. God's got your back. So just keep moving forward. And he says, Then the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? I love that. That that could be translated, maybe better translated. Why are you praying to me? That's an odd thing for God to say, right? I mean, aren't we supposed to pray to God? Isn't that the whole point? Aren't you always trying to get us to pray? Who prays too much, God? And God looks at Moses. Why are you praying? What are you doing? I've been married about 34 years. To the amazing Kim McManus. You know that little Irish girl? I remember one time she said, Honey, you talk about all the cultures in the world and their contribution to societies. What's the Irish contribution? And I said, Pubs and Fights. She doesn't drink, but she does fight. She got that Irish temper. We met when we were getting our master's degrees. We were just friends. I kept trying to set her up with friends. She kept going out with other people. And so I think back, that was, that was unfair. And eventually I realized, oh, I want to spend my life with her. So... Uh, this guy talked me into getting an engagement ring because I was like I'm a non-materialist at that time, you know, not supposed to have anything. And this guy said, you're going to buy her an engagement ring, you cheap jerk. And so <laughs> I went and I got a little engagement ring and, and I took her out to this tree and I, I got on my knee and I looked at Kim and I said, Kim, would you marry me? You know what she said? You know what she said? She said, let's pray. Let's pray. See, I I totally get God here. Why are you praying right now? This is not the right moment to pray. I looked at it and said, what? I know I was supposed to like be super spiritual and go, oh, yes, yeah, let's pray. I looked at it and said, no. I said, no two-minute prayer is going to save you now. And my mildly cocky way, I looked at it and I said, I'm gonna do this one more time. And this time I need you to get it right. I don't know if she got it right, but she said yes. But you know what I've noticed? Is that a lot of us hide behind spiritual language to hide our spiritual emptiness. We, we want to pray because we are afraid to act. We want to be still because we're paralyzed to move forward. And God says, why are you praying to me now? Don't you see the Egyptians? They're coming hard and fast. This is really not the moment for a conversation. You need to raise your staff, point it toward that water, part those waters and move. And... God says, tell the Israelites to move on. (laughs) You ever get confused with God? What do you want me to do, God? Verse 14, be still. Verse 15, move on. That's why you need to keep reading. Because some of you are so still, God must think you're dead. Because if you're just trapped in the past, what exactly is your life? See, the future doesn't just happen. You make the future happen. The future doesn't come to you. The future waits for you. The future is waiting for the person who has the courage to create it. And you need to choose the future. Every single day of your life, no, every moment of your life, you need to choose the future. You need to lean in and move forward and trust that God has a future for you, that you can be better than you are, that your life can be better than it is, that the world can be better than we know. He says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I I wonder what choice God is waiting for you to make right now. What is the choice that will open up the future for you? See, maybe, maybe you're just as naive and unaware as a silkworm. You didn't know you created silk. Or just as disconnected to your reality as, as a honeybee didn't know that they're creating honey. Did you know you were creating futures? Are you aware that you are a creative being and every choice you make ushers in a future you will have to live in and others will be affected by? And here's the problem. A lot of us have this magical view of the future. You know, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Who taught you that? If you're Latino, si Dios quiere. Who taught you that? Who taught you that you are disconnected from the creation of the future? Because that's exactly the opposite of what the scriptures teach. You are a creative being and your choices are your most spiritual activity. And they are your power. And here's the problem. Evil men, they don't wait for God's permission to act on the future they desire. Their dark imaginations, they commit everything to make that our nightmare. But good people just sit back going, Why doesn't God do something? God, we're praying. See, I think God's looking at us saying, Why are you praying to me right now? And we're saying, God, do something. I think God's screaming back. I have done something. I created you. Now you do something. So stop blaming everyone on your life. Sure, other people's choices may have crashed into your soul and left you train wrecked. That's the reality, isn't it? Some of you know the power of other people's choices because you are wounded and gutted and broken and shattered because someone you trusted made a choice that left you racked. So don't let those choices define your future. Recognize the power of choosing and choose a different way. Your choices don't just affect you. They affect everyone you care about. They affect everyone within your sphere of influence. And the ripple of your choices may affect countless multitudes that you're completely unaware of. What would happen if all of us decided we're going to choose the future? We're gonna live our lives creating a future that only God could dream up. We're gonna believe that we are God's creative agents to create a future filled with beauty and truth and goodness. We're not gonna live our lives apathetically. We're not gonna drown in mediocrity. We're not gonna live in fear or paralysis. We know who we are. We have the power to choose, and we're gonna to choose to create a world no matter what anyone else says, no matter what anyone else believes. And I'm not even going to let the facts affect my future. Because let me tell you, if you're going to go with the facts, you're you're not going to create the future that God has in mind. Because we've always known war. We've always known violence. We've always known poverty. We've always known injustice. All the facts tell us that the world is not going to change. So let's be unreasonable. Unreasonable. Let's gain a madness that says I don't care what history says Because the past is in the past We're here To create the new So what will you choose What will you choose What will you choose Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.